My brother and I certainly wish to welcome you to this, the house of the Lord, on this special day, this day of remembrance, this day of sacrifice, this day of encouragement, that we might be blessed with outpouring of that Holy Spirit. I thank you, uh, Vida and Jennifer, for your ministry of music. It seemed like it brought us into that realm that, that the choirs of angels singing and accompaniment. I trust you've had opportunity to feel that spirit working in your heart. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. For call to worship, I've chosen out of the second chapter of the book of Mosiah, reading in part, starting from the verse 20, chapter 2, Mosiah. Even so, I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and humble yourselves even in the depths of humility calling on the name of the Lord daily and standing steadfastly in faith of that which is to come which was spoken by the mouth of the angel and behold I say unto you that if ye do this ye shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God, and always retain a remission of your sins. And ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you, or in that knowledge of that which is just and true. Shall we open our service with a saying of him 311? Stand up, stand up for Jesus.
Our Father, which art in heaven, Lord, um, may all praise and honor and glory be given unto thee, for thou art worthy. And this day, this beautiful Sabbath that you have blessed us with, as the saints assemble and worship this morning, we pray and ask, Father, that you would send the Holy Spirit to be here in our midst. We invite you to do so that it would bless all of your people that are here, that they might uh, feel your nearness unto them, that they might bear witness of how it is that that Holy Spirit touched them during this hour of worship. Be with my brethren and their responsibilities that they have. May their hearts be humbled, and may they stand in the strength of that good spirit to bear testimony of the truth. Father in heaven, we thank you for all the blessings of life, and most especially for the, uh, the gift of your only begotten Son. For we know that he brought about the greatest gift, that of salvation, and we thank you uh, for it. And we thank you for him, and it is in his worthy name that we do pray and ask these things, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for this time together. Lord, we thank you for the many gifts in our lives. At this time, Father, please accept our our humble offerings. Back to you. Please bless the monies that are collected this day, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And we worship you in your son's name, Jesus the Christ. Amen.
from Psalms 46, we find these words. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shall be removed, and though the mountains shall be carried into the midst of the sea, and the waters thereof roar, being troubled, and the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Yet there shall be a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy of the tabernacle of the Most High. For Zion shall come, and God shall be in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her right early. The heathen shall be enraged, and their kingdoms will be moved. And the Lord shall utter his voice, and the earth shall be melted. The Lord of hosts, who shall be with us, the God of Jacob, our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he shall make in the earth in the latter days. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, he cutteth the spear asunder, he burneth the chariot in the fire, and saith unto the nations, Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts shall be with us. The God of Jacob, our refuge. Selah.
How great thou art. And yet if uh, you're like me, um, so many times I uh, forget to stop and recognize his power and his beauty and his wonder and his, his love by every breath his creation provides me. And I uh, count a joy to center that ministry of music, Vida and Jennifer, I thank you for your preparation and um, I can stand to testify to you today that, Lord, I appreciate your offer. Well, I find it uh, quite remarkable that uh, today was a theme of James chapter 4. If you have opportunity to look at that, if you haven't looked at it today, you recognize that um, the world is... um, ever pulling at our strings of life, causing us to want to come closer to the world. It seems to be a, a, an odd thing that the world in which we live in is something we're supposed to reject, which uh, supplies all those temporal needs. And so many of you um, just returning from reunion or time on reunion grounds where you had a time to pull away from those worldly Many of those worldly temptations now find yourself ready to enter back in. Understanding, hopefully, that your time away was only a time of preparation. That tomorrow, many of you will be back engaged on many of those temptations and enticings of your life. But I can stand and speak with surety to you this morning that God recognizes all those trials and temptations in your life. And we know that his mercy abounds. We know that uh, many have in the past, in the recent past, and even now, and then to come, have had trial in their life. And those temptations of uncertainty of God's love is uh, present in your life now. And I hope I can stand today and testify that he loves you. And he understands that pain. He has already felt it. And he has uh, provided you a way that you might lay it down at his feet. For he went to the cross for you as well as he did for I. And so he's, he's alive today and well. And yet we find ourselves in this time of the world that is so much uncertainty and so much uh, unknown. And we must rely on those things which have gone in the past throughout Scripture. But I can tell you today, friends and saints alike, that your life is a living testimony for his love, for his work, for his kingdom to come. And his work goes on through your life, through your trial. Even as the world tempts you to pull away from your God. You know, it's interesting in the book of James that uh, many of the scriptures, those men of that day, they were writing to a particular people. 
they were writing to a, a town or a group of people that were struggling, and we get to gain insight from those things in which were penned. And here, Jesus' brother James gives us a broader sense of worldly cares. And he presents for you and I, through God's grace to us in our life, how it is this world that we live in will pull us away from him. And so it is in his love that he shares that we're in these trials and temptations of life. And so, uh, you know, Scripture tells you and I that confession is good. It's healing for your soul. And I uh, must confess that I am a, a spiritual adulterer of the world. I have not violated my marriage covenant, but I can stand before you and tell you I have violated my covenant with God. And in his mercy and his grace, he provides a way which is unknown to me fully that I might come back into his fold and that may be made whole through my shortcomings, through the the temptations of this world that James talks about. And I would suspect that if many of you have honest reflection in your life, you might be able to draw upon times that you wandered and fooled around in the world and maybe some of that's happening now. But I hope as we end this, our time together today that you would know that God's love is never ending. And he cares about your life. He cares about your decisions. And he cares about how he can use you for his good. We find uh, that it's very natural in our life from the book of Romans chapter 3. where We have all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. There's not one in this room. There's not one that's been created. There's not one other than Christ himself that has not sinned. And so that is our nature. That is your nature and mine. We find these words in 1 John chapter 1. Starting at verse 8. If we say that we have, not, we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all ungodliness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God has uh, created this unique situation, a dichotomy of sorts, and how it is that we live in this world. And there's so many temptations and sins that can come. And, and uh, like Paul said, it so easily besets me. How did I even get to this point that I allowed this selfish lust to come into my life or this desire to, to flee from God and to run into the world? King Benjamin, we read in the book of Mormon and Mosiah, he tells us these uh attributes of man he says the natural man is an enemy of god it has been since the fall that we are naturally it's our, we're naturally in the fallen broken state of sin that we live in we're natural enemies that hurts my soul to think that that's my human nature in the in the flesh that wants to sin but he also tells us that grace, we know that there is grace and that we are justified freely 
by His grace through the redemption only and in through the life and the blood and the death of His of our, our God, Jesus, uh, His Son, Jesus Christ. And I found that uh, this James chapter 4 points us to something that in the Old Testament that I hope that you might find courage in. If there's any of you that uh, find yourselves wandering from the Lord to understand to some degree his unwavering, unending love for you, we find in the book of Hosea where it speaks of a spiritual, spiritual nature. Here we find that Hosea was uh, to go take a wife, but he was directed to take a wife that was a harlot, one that was living in the world, that was doing things that were an abomination to God, that was uh, unsightful, that was not righteous. And yet, he uh, used this, and I would say even as a type and shadow, on how he works, as I express these, this, this uh, book of Hosea to you, how it is that he might even work with your life. And in a broader sense, how it is that he might work with the church in these latter days. You see, Hosea was called to seek out this harlot. And he found it came to Gomer was her name, actually. As I'd already said, she had lived in a, a very worldly life. He married her and started a family. And then, even in the midst of that covenant, she left him. And she went back to her old life, the sinful way that she had been living once again. She went back to the natural way of the broken and fallen state of man. The worldly expectations that are weigh upon each of us, that weighed upon her. She refused those, uh, that covenant that she had entered. So what did Hosea do? Hosea, the husband had every right to reject her, refuse her, to speak bad of her, to do all those things, rightly justified in anyone's mind almost, I would guess. But what did he do? He did not give up on her. He left his home. He went and he searched for her. And eventually he found her. And not only did he find her, but he had to pay to get her back out of the bondage that she was in. And he brought her back into his home to fulfill that covenant. Have there been times that we have been like Gomer? Have we had inappropriate dealings with the world? And what about the church? I know that I am guilty and caught up in the world at times. And God knows your nature and my nature in this fallen world. But yet, as we see, it was in the book of Hosea that God's love is never-ending. He searches for you. He seeks you out. And just like we find through His Son, Jesus Christ, who was offered up a sacrifice, He paid for us to be relieved of that captivity of sin, that we might be made whole, that we might come back into that covenant that his love might have its way in our heart and our life. And the book of James outlines that we are naturally lust after things, that we have a warring of our members, that our natural flesh has a warring, our selfish desires. And, and then we find that in the midst of that, a request to God 
might be denied because of our selfish approach for the selfish prayer. He wants uh, worldly desires to be turned over to him. God is pleading for you and I not to love the world, but to love him. These words are offered to us in the book of Matthew, chapter 16 through uh, 25 through 29. And it talks about what it is that we must lose this life of this world that we might gain the world to come. Then say it, said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And now for, that, for a man take up his cross is to deny himself all ungodliness and every worldly lust and keep my commandments. Break not my commandments for to save, to save your lives. For whosoever will save his life in this world shall lose it in the world to come. And whosoever will lose his life in this world for my sake shall find it in the world to come. Therefore, forsake the world and save your soul. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And that question is present in your life and mine today. That we must turn away from all the temptations of this world has to offer. Particularly saints in the latter days that we find ourselves in. It doesn't take much to, to look around and the, the, the trials that are coming upon the earth and how the foundation of this world is being shaken. Ways in which this generation has never seen. But in the process of this, we find those words in Romans chapter 12 on how it is that we might do these things. Where it says that we are to, our, our life is to be a sacrifice, that we are to provide our reasonable service to the Lord. That we are not to be conformed to the world. That's not The world doesn't conform your life. But you are to be a renewed, renewing of your mind. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind to think of things that are highly. Think of the things of the world to come. And try not to get bogged down in the things that are. For they that I can testify to will truly drag you into that world. You, uh, Some of you may have received, there was no... Uh, there's no uh, arrangement to make this happen this way, but uh, Joe handed out a scripture verse to you today. Some of you, if you haven't, please see him in the foyer afterwards. It's our memory verse for the month. And it uh, follows the scripture in which I wanted to provide to you this morning. From Matthew chapter 16, I'll read that this is before the one we'll memorize, 17. In Matthew 16, 16. This question was presented to the disciples, and it's presented to you in your life. And I would say you could present it in your life every day as a foundational block on what you will build your day on. The question was asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered that question, and he acknowledged that he was a son of the living God. And if we acknowledge that that is our God, that he is alive and well and working in and through this, the world today, that he will provide that which is necessary, that which is expedient in our life. 
James chapter 4, 6 says, God gives more grace. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. He requires us to be humble. And the best definition a, a lady once shared here in this congregation of being humble is to be teachable. To be able to be taught. That God might have his way to continue to teach you and I. As we seek out God. As we, turn, as we, as we strive to draw near unto him. He will draw near unto you. In verse 13 of James 4, it tells us that says it starts out by saying, go to now. Time is of an essence. And we think we have it contained. Further all that James it says, life is but a vapor of, of uh, moisture in the air. If I sprayed moisture in the air, how long would that last in sake of eternity? As an ocean uh, strikes against the shoreline or the rocks and small mist is developed. How long does that stay in the air? God is telling us that time, our time is short. That our life is short, but his work is for eternity. This is a, a hymn that I draw near to many times, and you'll be many, most, if not all of you, will be familiar with it. But I share a couple verses for you at a song as a hymn 25, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We see that these words might ring true to the trials of our life and the uncertainties thereof. It says, Streams of mercy never ceasing. It goes on in verse verse 3, to, or verse 2 to say, Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. And in the last verse it says, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. And I don't know if any of you would join me in those any of those sentiments that him offers, but it speaks life and truth into mine. That's been my nature. And I know that um, for me, as I lean more upon the Lord and seek out Christ in my life, that those temptations will flee. And even says that, that the adversary will flee as you rebuke him, as you, as you seek out the Lord. We are told that charity preventeth a multitude of sin. And charity is the pure love of Jesus Christ. And as we learn to have charity in our life for others, particularly those that cannot do us any, give us any gain or provide us any, anything that would give us stature on this earth, that we find that uh, the sins of this world have a lot less weight in our life and, and a lot less direction in terms of where we will go and what we will do. We find this also very well out it's scripted to us in Matthew chapter 18, where he speaks about a man that had a hundred sheep. 
and one goes astray. One leaves the fold, one goes to be by itself, looking for greener pastures, finds itself up on the mountains, away from all the protection in which its shepherd would provide. For that one, the lone lost sheep, this man, much like our Father in heaven, will leave the ninety and nine, would leave all the flock to come seek it out, to come find that lost sheep, that it might come back into the fold. And that is that repentance that we're promised, that no matter where we are in life, as long as we know that uh, the that uh, God's love is ever present, and we would just turn to him and ask for his help, that he would reveal that revelation in your life, that revelation continues in your life, through the trials. It's been said, what is a testimony? What's the first four letters of the word testimony? It's a test. And God works through those tests of life as He tries your reins, as He proves your heart, as He wants to know your heart and see if you will follow His commandments. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Jesus came to be with the sinners, to save the sinners, not the righteous. And so sometimes you, particularly coming back from a union, you don't want to. You don't want to come back. I've been there. I understand that. I've had the same thought. I would guess that God doesn't want us to be separatist. He wants us to be a peculiar people in the world, but not be of the world. But we have time in those reunions to draw apart. You know, we find in Genesis chapter 12 where he told Abraham, he said, go and build an altar. Drive your, your, ta- uh, your uh, tent stake between Bethel to the east and Ai to the, to the west. Why did he tell him to do those two things? What's important about that for your life and mine and about the church? Bethel was a place they communed with the Lord a place that those that gathered had a communion with the Lord. And Ai was a place that was worldly, all the things of the world. And yet he said, be in the middle. Don't be overly involved, but you need to be close enough that your, that your work can go out and be with the people that need help. Our lives are to be in the world, but not of it. You saw that struggle even with Jonah, as you know. We've taught the youth many times, and rightfully so. The story of Jonah and the whale. He he could go to Nineveh or Tarshish, and he said that he he didn't want to go there because he didn't want to be in the world. But God's calling us to be a, a light into this dark world, that your life might be a beacon of light. Not you, not that you are, but the spirit in which you could carry through Jesus Christ will direct people to our Savior and our Redeemer. And so it is you and I now have the privilege and the responsibility and the honor and the duty to answer the call, what we, what we shall do with our life. What will you do with your life? Some here say, I'm too young. I'm not quite old enough to really have influence. I would challenge you on that. But on the other end of that spectrum, 
Some here think, I'm too old. My time has passed. I would say that as long as God is giving you the opportunity to live out a life in this world as a living testimony, that your life has purpose and meaning and he needs, he needs you to be engaged in his gospel. You know, uh, there's many other things I'd like to share, and I know that uh, um, God's creation provides us ways uh, to learn. I thought of King Solomon. I was able to uh, get to a couple services, and I sat in the back of one of the services, and I looked down, and there's a very large ant crawling on the on the ground, and I've always admired God's creation. I'm sure many of you do as well. And this ant had carrying something. I'm assuming some type of food that was over half the size of its body. And I'm sure this ant had good intentions to get it back to where all the other ants were, whatever its intentions were, that it was trying to get back to where it came from, that it might use this for the good. But what it was carrying was so large that it couldn't move. It, it couldn't find its way, and it just bounced and bounced and couldn't move anywhere. And I think about that in my life. How many times have I been in the world and I've grabbed onto something with good intention? And I'm going to take that and I'm going to carry that. I'm going to present it. And I'm going to take it back to people that I'm with and show it or share it or whatever. And it's so, it's so much of the world that I'm carrying that I, I get lost. I can't. It's a burden. God wants us to set those things down. He will provide that which is necessary. And so we must recognize that we have limitations in the world. But God wants us to recognize without him we are nothing. In my preparation for this service uh, yesterday and this morning, I was impressed uh, to... uh, in a different, little different direction, I'd like to end our time together on, and I'd ask Brother Bill if it's okay. I, I varied a little bit, and it's not really varying. It's just sharing. Um, and <clears throat> my vocation is one that uh, <clears throat> doesn't allow. Uh, it, it's, it's difficult to carry the emotions on your sleeve from the things that transpire. And so normally, if you're like me, I bottle them up until they have to come out. <laughs> and so, um, and likewise with friends and uh, the hurts of, uh, the hurt and pain of uh, this congregation. <clears throat> but in my preparation, I was uh, reminded of uh, my brother Bob and my heart was drawn to a to a friend and a, a lunch buddy, a mentor, a spiritual leader, a follower of Christ, and a saint. And I don't mean to make this a memorial because I'm not, because I really wanted to bring up a few points. And those are the things that uh, made a difference in my life, in the ministry, that I get the privilege to walk in. And some of these may ring true with you, but these are the things that uh, 
have been of great relevance in my life. Uh, he was a, a gentle, humble spirit, and we find that if you like to turn uh, to the book of uh, Galatians, and I'll just read these fruits of the Spirit and see if uh, any of them or all might ring true. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness, temperance. You see, and as we are in the world, those are elements and attributes that you and I are to carry in the world as we're involved. And these words that we find, maybe you've heard these as well. There's a pattern in all things. We can find patterns throughout life. And we find that uh, this pattern is made known to us. That uh, in Doctrine and Covenants 52 and 4b, it says that patterns are given to you and I that we may not be deceived. God wants to know that in the world as we're in the world and you're uncertain, how does that marry up to the pattern in which God has created? That you might have discernment to understand the day in which we live. That you might recognize, was this of the Lord or is this from the world? Titus 2 and 7 tells us that in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. A pattern of good works. It should be our life for the service of our fellow beings. That we might learn its wisdom to serve others and we serve God. How does this, uh, how does this, and so as we're in the world, how does this uh, message ring true, I hope, out of John chapter 10? We find, can you hear the master's voice? His shepherd hear his voice as he calls and leads them. You know, I recognize this, you know, Bob many times had shared growing up on the farm and, and the livestock recognized the voice of the master. And as you're in the world, there's many voices calling into us. But there's only one voice from above, from our God. Oftentimes we would hear, be still and know that I am God. For that still small voice of speaking today. From Alma chapter 3 verse 62. It says the good shepherd calls you. In his own name. He's calling you today. And that call never ends. His arms of mercy. Are extended to you now. As they have always been. The mercy continue to be outstretched arms. Even if. You've wandered away, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. His arms are extended into your life and will be in the days ahead. And he'll call with you, that still small voice. And I can't think of Peter walking on the water, how it is that he looked at the trouble he was in, the white caps or the, the struggling of the water, and he looked and realized he's he's violating the nature of all that he knew by, by uh, being on top of the water. And when he looked at it, and he looked at the trouble, 
He looked forth and Christ was reaching to pull him up out of that trouble. And that's the same Christ that we, we, we seek today. That we seek Him. That we might hear His voice. And these last two points. That our daily walk, much like our brother, always looking for the opportunities to connect with people in our life. Each day is a witnessing field. People are watching, whether we know it, whether we care, people are watching. And we have opportunity day by day, even moment by moment. And these last words I heard many a time, and they have new meaning to me now, about speaking about the last day and Christ's return. It's going to be a great and a terrible day. A great and how can you have both at the same time? Well, I think of Noah. What was that day like? They were great for the salvation in which God had provided, and He'd given them plenty of warning and direction of what was necessary. But it's terrible that many had to suffer because they would not hear the Master's voice and respond. And so now that great and terrible day is uh, anew with the. Brother Bob, not with us anymore, but I, uh, I can stand and attest to you today that he, his work continues and there's much joy. And I, found, I find there's joy in that. Even though it's a terrible day for me, it's a joyful day for him. And it should be that we understand that his work never ends. And I don't have time to share that testimony with you now, but I can testify that on the other side of the veil, there's much work being done. You know, in these last days, we are called to have endurance to the end. That This great uh, opportunity for you and I to see his hand at work in and through our lives and the lives of the saints and life, even the life in, around about us in this world. We uh, know these words we were, I saw, I, I picked up the hymnal and I saw those words that we will soon see in our, as we Read our last, or sing our last hymn, hymn in these uh, 372. And once again, it speaks to our life. Just picking out a couple words in this for this, as, as we would soon sing this, I would like for us to consider these words. Thy blood was shed for me, and with many conflict, many a doubt. Fightings and fears within, without. In the third third line, just as I am, poor wretched blind, sight riches healing of the mind. And then the last verse, just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Saints, as we, uh, as we continue together and endure together and witness together individually and collectively, I would uh, ask that we would take time daily to find gratitude for God's blessings, His loving care, and His mindfulness, and His mercy, and His truth. And his light that is made relevant in and through his word and through the gift of the Holy Ghost. And in that process of learning, that we would be strengthened as we.
give, give thanks to our God, our maker, our creator, for all his love and his kindness and his mercy that will last forever and ever. Amen. Our kind and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, dismiss us with a blessing. In the quiet of the hour, Father, we have heard your still small voice that's been offered up to you in the form of a prayer. And we come now, Father just as we are, prone to wander, prone to leave you. Consecrate our hearts, dear Lord. We love you, Lord. How great thou art. We thank you for your blessing. How great thou art. 
In Jesus' holy name, amen.